All right. Well, hello, everybody. Thank you for being here today, all the Latinos in Clinical Research members. Uh, so today we have a really special guest that we're interviewing, Daniel A. Perez. He's the newly director uh, for the Global Head of Patient Experience and Diversity and Inclusion at Worldwide Clinical Trials. Um, we're so happy to have him here today. Um, thank you so much for being here, Daniel. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, we're very excited to have you, and I know our members are going to be really uh, excited to get to know you and your background a little bit. But with that being said, I'm um, going to kind of transfer it over and let us know a little bit about yourself. Thank you. First of all, thank you for having me. Um, I, I take it very seriously in terms of being invited into spaces and having any kind of dialogue. We are in a time where, although we're small, we're still here. And I know that when I started my career, even this group was a large group. Um, and so for me, I've got a lot of gratitude and a lot of excitement. And definitely thank you again for inviting me into the space. Um, yeah, so my background for the last 13 years has been it, at the site level. So uh, Judy, actually, I was responding to your email last night and just commenting on how bit of a strange feeling it is to kind of step into the CRO side of, of things in the industry, have that perspective at the site level. And really what it boils down is discernment and understanding and having an awareness of what happens boots on the ground. And just the amount of tedious labor that goes into just setting up your research site, period. This is not even getting into the business development, the trial acquisition, hiring. I mean, this is all that is not seen, that is just assumed is magically put in place at research sites. And so that's my background. I began at Cedar sinai in 2009, and I worked very entry level, you know, very, very much low wage uh, work uh, in 2009. And I slowly took on more complex projects. I never shied away from asking for more complicated uh, tasks, even when they were above and beyond my job description and whether or not I was getting paid or compensated or had the title for it was beside the point. You know, I was raised with the mentality that if it's within arm's reach and if it's within your capacity and ability to learn it, you do so. And you do so with a sense of gratitude, with a sense of humility. And so that, that application took me quite far in my years at Cedars. And by the time that I left to go to the children's hospital in 2017, um, I had not realized kind of the breadth of tools in my kit because, you know, you you spend so much time in that environment, you spend so much time in that work that it kind of starts to get mundane and you're not really realizing the amount of information and talent that you're absorbing. So I, ha I had been at CHLA for all of uh, six months when I was promoted into an expansive manager role. And to me, that was... Uh, I, I was in disbelief, you know, on my first day as a manager, I kept looking at my badge thinking to myself, how did this happen? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm confused. Imposter syndrome sets in. There's a lot of pressure because now I have my own clinical research team. And I look at them with a sense of uh, service, with a sense of responsibility, because I know what it's like to be managed well and have effective leadership. And I also know what it had been like to not have it. And so the balance and kind of just knowing how easily of a slippery slope that can be caused a lot of anxiety. And uh, fortunately at CHLA, they very much supported uh, their new leaders in a program called Leader uh, Launchpad. 
And that kind of gave me such a strong foundation in the leadership arena, which is quite a different skill set than being a, a manager. Managers really more around complexity and systems and structure and leadership has to do a lot more with culture. So I had been at CHLA and uh, to my surprise and to, I guess, my own naive sense of awareness, all of the impact and change that I was so excited to, to push forward wasn't going to move as fast as I thought, nor would I have the impact that I thought I would. And so, you know, the difference in coming from a adult, primarily adult population hospital that is Cedar sinai and moving to a pediatrics hospital, it was a culture shock. It was a shock to the system. It was a shock to the emotional uh, kind of toll that it takes on you to see children anywhere that you're walking from one place to the hospital and you see children, they're battling cancer, they're ill, you know, you're stepping into the units in the inpatient. And it's not like, you know, going into an adult patient room because they're engaging you. And you come into a child's room, mama bear stands up and mama bear sits next to her kid and puts her arm around her baby. And immediately the maternal who are you? What do you want? Type of defense comes up, right? And so that experience allowed me to understand a, a new depth of connecting with patients, a new depth of establishing trust. Um, but yet, and still, I couldn't push and develop and create as fidgety as I am, and as you know, inquieto that I am. I always got yelled at. You know, why don't you sit still? And so. Um, I had a group of physicians who were reaching out to me and they were asking for advice and opinions. And for a long time, I was just getting on the phone with them and I was just excited to share my information, my knowledge, you know, my advice. They had uh, started a research site back in 2009, but in 2017 or so, they were pivoting into more uh, complex rare disease trials. And that's what was exciting me most about my day was getting on the phone with these doctors outside of my nine to five work at CHLA. So finally, I realized I'm having way too much fun in the peripheral kind of extracurricular activities for my day job. And I need to make a decision. Either I'm going to fall into the comfort of this idea that this is as good as it gets and this mentality that we get into um, and, and I won't generalize and say all Latinos, I'll speak for myself, but there's this mentality of be grateful for what you have, be grateful that you were given this opportunity, and why even think about more? Aren't you, you need to just be grateful and stop asking for more, stop wanting more, because this is already a lot. And so I had to grapple with that idea in the manager role, because I realized if I wanted to stay in this role and retire here, there's comfort, there's security in that. And um, maybe my growth will come in five years or 10 years. And, you know, grappling with the fear of that's fine. I'm, I'm comfortable with that growth. Or I could jump and leave the security that is CHLA and have a, a crazy, crazy ride. And I thought to myself, which am I going to be able to live with the most? Am I going to be able to live with not being true and aligned with how I am as a person, put aside the clinical research, just as a person, or am I going to jump and take the risk? And if I fail, at least I jumped and I learned so much and I learned a lot. And, you know, you, you reflect back and every single one of us has our own stories 
our parents and how we, you know, how we've made it through. And I thought to myself, jumping and, and doing a clinical research site on my, on my own with the sport of physicians, if it flops and fails, well, it is what it is. You know, I just go back to, to taking on a job and I have to have faith and trust and confidence in myself. But what if we succeed? And it was that question that kept me up at night for several weeks until I finally decided if we succeed, the impact and the magnitude of what we're going to create is a lot bigger than my own ego of my fear of failure. And so I jumped full time and I came over to macro trials and my goals, very simple goal was to be like a kid in a candy store, but be very responsible because, you know, and, and Judy, I'm sure you appreciate the director of Clinoptral on a private site. They look at you, you know, your SOPs, who created them, your hiring team. Why are they there? Are you compliant with your state laws? Um, are you conducting the research well? Every single moving part is scrutinized. There is no contracts and budgets department. There is no IRB. There is no regulatory person. All of it just very pointedly falls here. And so when I came over to macro trials, uh, there was one study, one clinic space. We had uh, half of an office that I always joke with my team that I left. And it's even hard for me to say that because I, I can't believe that I'm not there. But we started it off in a broom's closet size space. And we were doing a complex biologic for a rare disease study. And what was just so mind blowing to me is the rate and the speed that we were moving and the rate and speed and the volume of patients that we were able to get in and support. And this trial was almost exclusively operating outside of our site in academic medical centers and just the caliber of our ability to compete with that was very humbling. And I think it's 100% a testament and credit to the doctors who leaned into what I was trying to build and what I was building. So that is a reverse culture of what we see in academia. The structure is built around the physician's world. In this case, we built it around the clinical operations and the patient experience. And so over time, uh, the company grew, the complexity grew. We brought on team members. Uh, I brought on team members with no research background. One of my team members was a medical assistant by trade for the last almost 18 years. And when he left high school, he wasn't even supposed to graduate. He wasn't even supposed to graduate and he did. And that in and of itself is an accomplishment. Okay. His mom bringing him to high school graduation. And then from that moment, going off to MA school and technical vocational college was in and of itself an accomplishment. And then obtaining that certified MA role and finding yourself for 18 years, hitting a glass ceiling in practices and realizing this is kind of it. If I want to advance, I have to go back to nursing school. I have to go back to school. And at that point, you, you cannot do it anymore. Or if, you, if you're gonna do it, it's extremely difficult. The financial aid aspect, the, am I gonna take on student loans this late in life? What is this gonna look? I've been out of school for so long. And so I looked at this individual and I said, look, I'm gonna open up a, re a door for research. And on day one, he said, that's fine. As long as you don't put me to turn on a computer, I'm all yours. Put me in the room, I'll do, you know, I'll do labs, I'll do whatever. I'm not a computer person. 
And over the years, I trained and developed and pushed him and pushed him and pushed him. And as I was leaving, this individual is now coordinating one of the more complex retina trials, the phase two study. And, you know, he says, I don't even recognize this version of myself. And I thought to myself, well, on my way out of macro, that alone made the entire jump worth it. That alone. And uh, I was having dinner with a colleague, I think it was Tuesday night. And he said, well, Daniel, you got to be careful not to take on the weight of the world on your shoulders. And I asked him if he knew of the story of the boy on the beach with the starfish. And he said, no, I, I'm not familiar. And the story goes that there's this boy throwing starfish back into the ocean and the, and the beach is just like filled with starfish. And somebody comes up and goes, why are you bother even throwing the starfish back? You're not going to get to all of them on the beach. And the boy picks one up and says, it'll matter to this one. And as long as it matters to this one, you got to keep doing the work. And so I take the responsibility of my incoming role and what I'm going to do at Worldwide Clinical Trials the same exact way. No matter what type of site we're engaging, whether it's a large academic medical center or it's a small privately held research site, I'm going to make sure that the resources to the best and extent of my ability are equitably distributed, but more importantly, that we understand that every patient in that door, every team member in that site will 100% be pushed to my best of my ability, right? And so that's my journey into this space, kind of my journey into this current role. And yeah, I'm excited to see what that's all going to pan out and look, look like, you know, I'm not sure. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Like every step along the way, you just don't know until you're in it. Yeah, Absolutely. Story, like, oh I know. <laughs> That's a great I story. So much. I know. Great background. <laughs> and you say it so eloquently too. I'm just like, now I, I want one of these roles. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. Your story is amazing. And I have to say something about that story you uh, mentioned about the MA. Like I come from, you know, 20 minutes, you know, uh, north of Mexico near Matamoros and you know, I, I worked in a lot of clinics. I was in the clinical industry for 10 years and almost always the MAs or the lab techs I worked with were 30s and 40s. A lot of them, um, the time more males, but as I you know got older, more females came in and most of them are Latinos. And almost every time in the night shift that we would talk, it would always be about how they're miserable, but they can't afford, they have family, mm -hmm. they can't afford to go to school and they just, they want more. And, you know, they just kind of come and come out and literally it's, the same saying I get would get every day was, um, you know, uh, same old day, same old work, you know, just coming and coming in to come out. And it's it. I would always think about I, I was always very grateful about my opportunities, um, especially being young and having the resources and, and amazing Latina and Latino mentors that I had growing up. Um, but, you know, I would always wonder of where they would go if they had the resources, right? Where that potential would go, especially if you gave them opportunity and to the point where they felt purpose, you know, the things that could happen, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just insane. So you saying that really like mm -hmm. hit close to home because part of the reason why we're trying to do what we're doing with LICR as well as the University of Clinical Research, we really just want to, I want to get those that are the in, in between, right? I'm so grateful that you gave that person that opportunity. I'm sure you changed his life and his family's life forever. And that's, that's what we want to do. You know, it's, 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 it's a real impact. So thank you. 
Yeah, yeah Daniel, I feel exactly the same with the students. When I when I see them progressing, achieving goals, and 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 going in in this direction of excitement and having a career that has not ending, is just so mind blowing, so fulfilling. That for me, that's what drives me. That's what where my passion comes from. And 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 I mean, you couldn't say it better. You're so good at storytelling. Yeah, really. it's really Amazing. great. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and and Daniel, hearing your story kind of reminds me of a little bit of what I'm doing. You know, my background too, because we're very similar in how we started, what we're doing. Because that's kind of my community. You know, there's no, there's only so many opportunities, so many jobs you can go into. Research is very new, even though we've been there for a while. And so everybody I hire, it's like we're introducing research and giving that opportunity to grow. And I've had to handhold people's hands and it is, and we'll keep doing it until, and most of the time it does work. Sometimes it doesn't work out, but that's what it is. Mm -hmm. I'm really happy to yeah, know that. Go, go, go. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to comment. So Judy, you, you said something that um, it's very frustrating. The handholding aspect. Mm -hmm. And I'll say it this way. It's frustrating oftentimes, not for us, because we're committed. Right. It's frustrating to the person you're developing because they're already grappling with, well, see, this is why I didn't do this, or this is why I didn't want to do it because I'm stupid, or I knew I wasn't going to do this, you know? And so there, there's that frustration to overcome. Then there's the frustration of knowing, kind of, at least for me, my internal dialogue is, Am I preparing my people for the inevitable or perhaps one day life after this role? Because they're going to step into a workforce where it's not a hand-holding culture. Right. It's a, we've got a large gap that we're, we're committed right. to closing. And what folks don't understand in the more structured uh, corporate arena that more of these academic sites uh, operate in is that you can't just pip somebody. This is not an, a performance improvement plan that you can you can apply. This is not underperformance. This is a inability to comprehend and grasp something that you're taking for granted just because they're here. Mm -hmm. And so it's a very frustrating thing as a as a leader, as a manager, very different skill sets mm -hmm. to then have to go to the folks who are responsible for payroll, responsible in those higher up roles to say, you're not giving this person a fair shot. Yeah. And I know that you're frustrated and I know that we want to close certain, you know, performance gaps, but that requires a bandwidth and a commitment mm -hmm. on so many levels, because nine times out of 10, you've got to break through the person's belief that they can't do it. Right. Yeah. And actually, and that's funny you mentioned that because I have that mentality. Anyone we bring on, I'm preparing you because worst case scenario, we didn't have a research center. You can move on and find another job in the research community. Um, so that's the way I think of it. And then I have to take myself out of understanding that a lot of these people in the community, maybe they don't have the basic computer skills, email skills, like even telephone skills, like all of these things, because maybe they weren't exposed to it in a work setting. So we have to start from those basics and trainings with some people, but they didn't get those. And that's just a whole different community issue, right? Where they maybe should have received a little bit more in high school. Um, so, you know, I have to take, take a step back and be like, okay, let's start from the beginning. What do you need help with? How can I help you? And then from there. 
we start training you. Yeah, and, and to That's say exactly what you were just right. There's what you were just mentioning. I've I had a, a client, an international medical doctor. I mean, right off the bat, obviously, so much value there, right? For anybody that were to hire uh, an IMG, she was from Peru, very smart, very eloquent. Um, but she came to the states, and she was. They hired her as a, a CNA, and you know they didn't want. They were what she told me was like, oh, you know, they were making me feel bad for asking for, for more money because I wasn't from the States. And obviously hearing the story, like it killed me. And she was like, I just really want better. And so she goes to the Academy and I'm like, okay, you have everything you need. You have your education already, which is more than enough of a solid foundation. Um, and then now you have the Academy, you have the training, you have the internship. And all she could keep saying was, you know, I, I don't know if I should ask for XYZ. And I'm like, you should actually be asking for 40, 50 K more than that. Like, what are you thinking? Mm -hmm. Like, so we had literally sessions and sessions and sessions where all we were just working on was her confidence, you know, her ability to know that she was worth it, that her education was worth it, that she could do the job, you know, and it's just, I don't, I feel like, like you were saying, there's a, they just, I feel like upper corporate is just thinking like, oh, well, we just need to find the people and place them in. It's no, there's so much more to it, you know, especially when you're coming from a background where, or, or areas that the resources are very minimal. And the idea of thinking about, oh, well, I'm coming from, let's say a site making $15 an hour to coming into corporate to make 32, 40. How is that even possible? That is insane. Like that, I, I can't do that. That's probably too much for me. When really it's not, it's just that you weren't aware of how much you were doing, how much you're probably underpaid and undervalued. And on top of that, you know, how much this company needs you, right? And what you have to offer. And I just feel like there's just a huge disconnect um, on that end. So I'm so happy to know that you come from that perspective and that you are going to be bringing that on such a high level scale. Um, and I know I speak for me and Monica and Judy that you know, if there's any way at all that LACR can be of assistance, I mean, we're happy to do this is what we want for the community. And if there's any way like just to, to speak on our perspectives too, like we're happy to do so. Yeah, and the university yeah, too. Uh, my privilege, I, I got to keep enforcing that, my privilege to be here in the space. So I, I will say, ditto, utilize me, use me, the community for LACR, I'm here. I'm here for mentorship. I'm here for connections. I'm here for pick up the phone because I'm really struggling. And I think that, you know, did I mess up? Uh, mm -hmm. Let me, let's coach through those moments because I can guarantee you been there, done that, right? We've been on those bridges together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Daniel, actually, that's exactly how the CRC Academy was born. Because back then I was in the in the in the clinic and I was receiving often many phone calls of people that wanted an opportunity. And the majority of these were students that wanted to learn more about research because they hear about it in the university. Most of them were uh, pre-med students. And initially they wanted to do it because they needed the research experience too to go to join the, the med school. And, and when we start doing it, it was just like one or two students, then three, four, five, six. And in some point <laughs> I was, I mean, I was, I was um, 
uh, happy to do it, but in some point I couldn't do it for so many people. So we created the pilot just internally, and then it became bigger and bigger. So this is something that I, that I think is important in the industry, obviously providing all the education, but the holding hands is is probably the most important part of this um and 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 offering them the the true guidance that they need because mm -hmm. even if we provide the education sometimes when they are in the field they just like freaked out and I'm, <laughs> yeah. what, what do i do now right uh I, I i tell the students our relationship doesn't end when we finish the class it's actually the beginning because I have, we have many students that up to this point, they still, um, after two, three years in the industry, now they have this, the, the, the experience, but they still feel connected with us because of that. And they still feel connected and ask advice even after all this time. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's the beauty of, of holding because um, you're not just building or helping somebody Obviously, you're, that, that's a big thing, helping somebody to have a future, a career, something that they feel passion for, but also creating these relationships mm -hmm. that last. Yeah, exactly. 100%. And I think uh, to your point, once, once we get in the field, learning the navigation of the space and the landscape, the dynamic of site and CRO, the dynamic of site and sponsor, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like my mom says, darle su lugar a cada quien. Mm -hmm. Give everyone the space and respect. Mm -hmm. And it's so critical because you learn the dynamics of CRO and pharma. And you learn the dynamics of when the CRO is there, site doesn't bypass and go to pharma, right? And so these are, these are elements that you don't learn. There's not a technical trait to it. There's a craft and artistry that if you learn people, if you understand people, and I think for a lot of us Latinos, we come in kind of just knowing that dynamic and family, knowing that dynamic and relationships that we have because of our culture. We don't even think how to apply it. But once you make that connection, it unlocks so much value in our space because of those elements, right? These are what the things that make a site successful in attracting and retaining trials and different pharma companies, right? So to your point, Monica, it's, it's about how the relationship and journey starts on that day one of your first job. Mm -hmm. 100%. Yeah, exactly. Thank you yeah. so much for that. I said, yeah, I so love your story. And, and I love that you mentioned your mom so much. I, it makes me want to meet her. <laughs> yeah. I know, Listen, amazing. I'll bring her on on the next, on the next oh, round. Yeah, that, that would be amazing. <laughs> well, I know to kind of keep to the time, Daniel, uh, we, we're going to go ahead and cut it off here. But um, for those of you watching, uh, we will be having him back on and at this point for a live webinar. There's just so much that Daniel has to offer, of course. But as we talked about handholding and Latinos and familia, you know, uh, we are, you know, creating that relationship here now. And uh, we hope to move that forward in the future with you guys. But awesome. Thank you so much, Daniel, for being here today. We appreciate it. And we look forward to, you know, any future conversations we'll be having. Yeah, thank My you. My pleasure. Thank, thank you, you for the invitation. All bye right. bye. Bye.